You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. This is Erica Corday, and as always, it is amazing to see you here where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you are unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, here to get the dialogue going. So the episode that I'm bringing to you today is actually, again, part of an actual conversation that I had, um, again, with India, who I bring back very often, India Jackson of India Jackson Artistry. And we actually bought um, a male friend of ours in so that we can get a little bit of a different outlook. But we we had a really good dialogue around um, the black experience and some of the things that maybe aren't always considered and some things around when sometimes people will inadvertently normalize situations that shouldn't be in order to get through. And sometimes on the flip side, what can happen is someone can do something and somehow get an okay or, or a pass by someone. And then it becomes, oh, this is fine. I can do this. And they kind of move through their world in a way that isn't, isn't necessarily beneficial. And, you know, so we kind of talk about what it looks like for someone to move through in a way that can be damaging and maybe really not understand, but they've never been told anything different and kind of what it looks like when you are the person that internalizes things that you shouldn't internalize as acceptable. Yet, what other choices do you have when you simply just need to be whole in that moment? So we talk about some of these things and as always, we kind of diverge to, into some other things, which is one of the beautiful parts of conversation and why I love it so much. And if you would like to join in these kinds of conversations or you're finding some challenges with having these conversations, I want you to go on over to the website and click the work with me link and book a tea time chat. This is basically just a complimentary kind of what you would call a discovery call. It's a chance for you to just talk to me for a second to see what it would look like for you to get support and see if that's best for you. But this is a good place to start when you are beginning your journey or you are new and really are just kind of looking to figure out what does this look like and you have questions and want and need answers. But without further delay, I will allow you to hop in onto our conversation, myself, India and Jaleel. And we are having a conversation today 
we've been talking about, um, Indy and I was, were having a conversation this morning, which we do very often, um, and somehow or another fall in this rabbit hole, and we were talking about how there's, um, there are times when someone can make something okay that isn't, and we decided to actually bring a friend of ours, Jaleel, in on this because um, I've had conversations as well with him about this, and I think that it's pertinent to discuss and to kind of dissect what does it look like to have someone do something and the person that is the offended, like the person receiving, um, somehow justifies or okays something. And then the person that is the offendee or the giver um, of this action somehow is in this place of, well, they're okay, so it wasn't that bad. Or, see, I mean, I told you it was fine and it can neutralize the true weight of something or it can make something seem less less impactful than what it really is so what are your thoughts on that well i don't don't mind jumping in um i'm no psychology major but i think that people want to do things to where they don't want to offend others and no one wants to seem offensive so they try to quell it by saying, see, it's not that bad. It's kind of like how if a child falls down, you know, a parent will be like, hey, you okay? You know, wipe it off. You're going to get up and be fine. That's that's the only way I can think about it right now. But that's so much different when you're dealing with adults and everybody have their own experiences. And then you could possibly seem like you're trying to minimize somebody else's experience by saying, see, it wasn't that bad. Well, it may not have been that bad for you, but with someone else and their experiences, it could elicit some past feelings that you are totally unaware of. Well, and I'm going to give a point of reference if it helps. And then to kind of go with that, um, I had someone that I had known for a while and in regular conversation, this person thought that it was fine to then say the N word to me. This person was white and it was said as like in a very conversational kind of way. And I, st- I was like, what? What, 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 what do you mean? And so it caught me off guard. And I, I said, you can't say that. And the response that I got back was, well, my friend is black and they said it's fine. And I said, no, it's not fine. It's not fine for me. If that's how you choose to speak with them, that's up to you and them. It's not okay though. And I really don't suggest that you do it because everybody is not going to feel that way. And you run the risk of, seriously offending somebody and everybody isn't going to tell you they're simply going to fly off the handle or, or worst case you could put yourself in a place where somebody may even become physical because it's it's a hurtful and harmful thing um and so i encourage people to have dialogue with me but that was a prime example of how it's like i it, it was minimized to her the impact that she could have had. So somebody else said it was fine. And she then thought it was okay to go out into her world and continue that. And I'm like, no, that's not okay. So what happens when somebody gets this precedent that, oh, this is fine. I can do this. And then it's like, oh, well, why do you feel a certain way about this? And then, I, you know, the other person is kind of looked at as sensitive. And I have a perfect example of that. It was in high school. Um, we called him white boy Keith. <laughs> and um, he grew up around us, so you know he faced some of the same hardships. 
that we did. Um, we spoke, he spoke the same way that we did, ate the same kind of food that we did. And um, the way he spoke was in a much more comfortable manner than um, most people will understand. You know, he said the N-word all the time, you know, we ain't think nothing of it, you know. Um, it wasn't said in a derogatory term. It was said the way that, you know, it just will be said in conversation amongst people that know each other well. And um, we was in Tyrone's house. Tyrone's mother was like born in the 50s. So she didn't had to deal with some of the Jim Crow laws. You know, we was in there talking trash or whatever, you know, cursing or whatever. And then he said the N-word. She was walking by. She was like, what'd you just say? And we was like, oh. And um, she expressed to him how she felt uncomfortable with us saying it, let alone somebody who wasn't the same race saying it. And she was like, matter of fact, y'all, y'all need to get out of my house right now. <laughs> but us being kids, you know, we didn't have that same personal experience with her. You know, I ain't never seen the water fountain that say whites only. That's not my experience. It's not for my generation. But the feelings and emotions that she had when she heard that word come from that white dude, totally different from our experience. And we wasn't, we, none of us dared to say, oh, it's okay. He one of us. We ain't say nothing foolish like that. We we understood when she made that remark that, yeah, we probably should uh, limit this and probably shouldn't say that word, you know, at all now, not just around us, but at all, just to avoid situations like this. But we didn't think anything less of him, but we definitely curtailed our behavior after that event. It I think it's interesting. Oh, sorry. No, no, <laughs> it, 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 it sometimes takes something like that to shift it. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting to see how something that our generation might not even think twice about using that word um, looks very different to other people. And also the fact that the very first situation we're talking about with the female who was saying that if a friend told her that it was okay or it wasn't that bad, you know, um, she then overgeneralized and said, well, if it's okay with this one Black person, it must be okay with all Black people. Like, that's offense number one. Everybody's individual, so you should get to know who you're talking to to figure out how they feel about something before you just drop a bomb like that on them. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, there are a lot of cases where people will assume that one, one person of whatever this group is speaks for the masses. Yeah, I mean, we're all different. And I think that offense number one is maybe for her, she lumped all Black people into having the same opinion because this one person's opinion who happened to be Black was that it was okay. And it's not okay for everybody. There's some people who are of color that will use the N-word and use it comfortably as a term of endearment. And there's others that completely avoid the word and find it offensive even using it with each other. But if we're not having that conversation, then you really don't know. That's exactly where the dialogue is necessary because you can't assume that this is a blanket thing and this is how it just works and it works for everyone that way. You have to speak to people to have a wider breadth of knowledge or to truly back up kind of your why or your, your specific opinions around these things versus taking one person and one person's anecdote or take on something as the gospel truth. Absolutely. I think it's interesting that Joel is also bringing up you know, the older generation, um, I was having a conversation with a family member who happened to be in their 70s or late 70s at that 
and they went to segregated schools and they just had a totally different life experience for their childhood and early teens than I could ever imagine for myself, you know, um, and just realizing that like my generation being a millennial is so far removed from that experience that it's kind of like this abstract thing you see in movies. So to actually for the first time be having conversation with them about that, um, it really hit home that in their mind, they could think, well, I didn't really have any overt racism or stuff like that from people who don't look like me. But then you start really unpacking their experiences and realize that sometimes we ourselves can make okay with something that wasn't okay just to get through and kind of talking with this person realizing that they made okay with themselves having to um, do a lot of manual labor type things when they were basically child labor you know and know that they were taking better care of as they said the white people's possessions and needs for their household than they were allowed to do for their own or had time to do for their own which also is taking time away from their education and yet their knee-jerk response when we were having conversation about racism and just um, experiences is that they had never experienced overt racism or being mistreated. And I'm like, uh, but you do realize that it's not always somebody calling you the N-word and saying, I hate black people. Sometimes it is the subtle things like your the bulk of your childhood taking care of adults that don't look like you's possessions and not being able to just be a child, that might actually have more impact than somebody calling you the N-word. Because those actions change how you view yourself in reference to them. It changes how you view your wants or needs or actions in reference to them. And that can unfortunately create a trickle down when it comes to what you pass on to the next generation or feeding into some of these mindsets that are very generational yet very difficult to break when it comes time for um time for you to become an adult and make your own decisions or to teach you know a, a child or someone that you have influence with to think and be and do differently because this is all you know and i can definitely speak for myself i mean i grew up with a mother that did grow up during that time frame and experienced racism then as well as even in her job. Um, and it, she couldn't really break that to give me anything that really was coming from a place of treat people as individuals or um, people are people. It was very much, you know, you need to know what you look like when you look in the mirror. And that sometimes would come off as like, a, I've used the story before, like I, my posters on the wall of new kids on the block prompted her to say to me, you know, don't you know what color you are? Why do you have all these white faces on your wall? So while it's not okay, you have to also understand what's the source? Where do these things come from? And in order to try to change it, you have to, to know that they exist. And that even though our generation where we're all only a few years apart, it's still pieces of it that are there. Like just hearing what you said made me think about how growing up, it wasn't a lot of choices to play with different kind of dolls, not for myself, but for, uh, you know, females. Barbie or Cabbage Patch dolls, it was a lot of variety of white choices 
to choose from, but not so many of uh, people of color to choose from. And that's also another thing that how it can play into the psyche of people because you start seeing that, well, I see all this white stuff and white is beautiful and black isn't around. So maybe black isn't as beautiful. I can't identify with these black characters or dolls or toys because they're not available and I'm easily to identify with the white characters. Like MTV, when MTV came out, who was on there? I think like black people was like Michael Jackson, probably like the only black person on MTV. Maybe mostly, Prince, maybe. Because it was mostly uh, rock and pop. But then mm-hmm. when Yo MTV Raps came out, that changed the whole demographic of who was watching MTV at that time. Yes. The race yes. went through the roof because people could, you had a broader view, a broader uh, demographic of people that could identify with the music that's being played. Like if you look at some pictures of black girls in the 80s, you know, they got you no know, leg warmers, they got their hair like punk rockers, because that's what was on TV. That's what was cool. That was what was in, you know, with the baggy uh, sweater hanging off the shoulder, you know, and Lisa Turtle is like a, a good example. What was that, late 80s, early 90s? Or Saved by the Bell? Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a product of her environment. They didn't have anybody, you know, from a different area showing up. You know, they were all people of the same, I'm guessing, pay, pay bandwidth in that uh, on that show. But just to be able to start putting stuff together to where you can understand how society plays a part on the way that the generations are going to see these things. I think that's very, very important. Like when you said the source, it's very important. Understand where the source, you know, understand about the source and where the information is coming from. It's a, it's a huge thing. And I remember, um, and now I'm probably going to share it again on social media, but it was um, a post that I had seen and it was, a young girl, maybe 10 or 11, talking to her mother about how in these cartoons and these shows, she wasn't seeing a standard of beauty that looked like her. And to see this little girl having this awareness and noticing this and then seeing her face fall when she's asking her mother for like confirmation, like, is this what this is? And her mother had her come to her own realization about it. And to see her face dropped when she was like, oh, this is exactly what's happening. Like what looks like me isn't heralded as beauty. And it's, it's heartbreaking to watch that. And, you know, the, the tough thing is that Saved by the Bell, you only had this, you know, if I remember correctly, one person of color, which was Lisa's character. And, um, and I'll go into this in another episode, but it's that concept of the magical Negro um, being this person whose own story kind of, doesn't evolve you're more there to be a support subject for the white characters around you um so part of it is kind of trying to create this acclimation or integration from a place that really is still very whitewashed and diluted but then if you go back to let's you know revisit the whole 80s thing again what would come up for um you know young black kids or some kids of color when it came to what you saw was, you know, Salt and Pepper and Kid and Play and Run DMC. So you got this more hip hop um, side when it came to what you could look like or what you were listening to and kind of what created you seeing beauty. And maybe that was how you identified it. And 
that was also back when, I mean, this was prior to like NWA and things like that, but culturally rap was still being put into this place of like, Oh, what is this? This is terrible. We, we can't do this. And you know, this was a lot of what was given as far as our version, I'll, I'll call it of, of the leg warmers and the, like the Madonnas and um, things like that. Like that was kind of what, we had, you know, Whitney Houston was a good example. I mean, they, they whitewashed her very, very highly, but there just wasn't much there, you know, and it's tough when you have this concept of how can you buy into or believe something that you don't see as being reality. If you don't see it, it's very challenging to think, oh, I am beautiful. My skin is beautiful. My hair is beautiful. The way that I speak is beautiful. And not having to feel as though respectability politics then come in where if you don't speak completely proper in the perfect tone, in the perfect way, wearing the perfect clothes, then you're not okay. If your clothes are, are, are not fitting into the mold, if your tone does not fit into the mold, if your word choices don't fit into the mold, if your skin color, body type, hair texture, and all of these other things don't come together to fit into the mold, oh, well, we have a problem. <laughs> that hits so many different notes for me. So many. I think um, it's not just that we have a problem, but it can also be a combination of having a problem with something and then the problem becoming the norm. And so we accept the problem. Yeah. Like me being slightly longer, younger than you guys and being born in the late 80s, like I did have a black Barbie option, but. I mean, it was one skin tone of Barbie to choose from. And she still, it was like you took the white Barbie and you dipped her in black paint. <laughs> There's not a lot to it. And I didn't have, I didn't have a lot of options and the hair texture was definitely very different. And I remember my mother being adamant that she would not buy me Barbies that were not black um, because diversity was not there. It was black or white. And even that was a stretch and she wouldn't buy that. And so any dolls that I had that weren't, black they did not come from her because she was determined to not buy these other kind but that's just a prime example of you know what happens when what happens when i don't exist in all of these other aspects of my life yeah and then what happens when you know we adapt the mentality that well i mean but you have a black barbie now mm -mm. it's not okay Mm -mm. I mean, I know she was just dipped in darker paint and has the same bone straight hair and the same nose and eyes and lips that white Barbie has. But I mean, you should be okay with that because we gave you one that has darker skin. <laughs> and that's the whole thing. That's when you get to that whole like, oh, so that's supposed to be enough to appease me. That's supposed to be enough to somehow make me change how I am validating my beauty in the world that I see around me. Because it's every the mentality of it's not that bad. Well, I mean, she's black, so it's not that bad. And then if you accept that it's not that bad, now you're giving the people that said it's not that bad permission to think it's not that bad either. Yes. And it's it's band-aid on a bullet hole. It doesn't mm. work. <laughs> it does not work. And there's a lot of um pieces 
and what we talked about, I mean, this definitely is going to have to get broken down um, and brought back to at least one additional episode because of the fact that there's so many things that even you and I growing up didn't even realize, you know, even just in this conversation, like you don't realize how many things you swallow as, as the norm, you know, better you, you, you are working to do better. It's just that when you realize how many things you brushed off as, well, that's just how it is or whatever. I'm just not going to pay it any attention. It's, it's a, it's a slap in the face and it's a tough thing to acknowledge. And that's why to me, it's so important for people to take that time to understand someone else's experience. Because if you never had to worry about turning on a television and seeing someone that looked like you, you don't understand this. If you never had to worry about buying toys or looking at cartoons or doing either of those things for your child and feeling as though they weren't reflected, you don't get it. And that's why having that conversation to begin to get it is so important because when you don't understand it, how are you supposed to actually move forward? So that being said, we're going to go ahead and pause here. And again, this is definitely going to come back because I think that it's important. So we we shall return. So if you love this, pause on the play. This is just one of the iterations of how I use conversation to create connection. The conversation workshop is another. This is a series where I talk with a guest, very similar to what I did today, about topics like diversity and inclusion within your marketing or even creating diversity within wellness spaces. The difference is is we also give you space to have a live Q&A with us so you can get support. These conversations are not complete without you. Hop on over to ericacorday.com. Check out the show notes for the information and links as well and register for the upcoming episode so you can get personalized support to further your growth. The conversations we have here are to normalize the challenging things and make them a part of your normal exchanges. This is how we remove stigma and create real change and connection. Cross lines and recreate boundaries to support, not separate. If you enjoyed this podcast, show me some love by subscribing, sharing it with a friend, or leaving us a review. Reviews are the fuel to keep the podcast engine going. Let's get more people dropping the veil and challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. Speaking of keeping it going, if you don't already follow and engage with us over on Instagram at Erica Corday, come on over there and do that. I really want to talk with you, so DM me and let's do this. I love being here and creating the bridge for you to walk over to become the change that you want to see. So join us next time. And until then, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take And then sharing this information across your team explicitly 
This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?